Hello everyone, this is Tim Dodd. Welcome to the Believer's Faith Challenge podcast. Faithful to give witness to tens of thousands, yes, and to the millions that believe it. And believes and I believe that God's gladly lived a packet until all around the world it's been circulated. Hello everyone and welcome to the podcast today. This is the Believer's Faith Challenge podcast where we report on the works of God all over the world as relates to the end time word. We want to really affirm that this development has generated a lot of excitement among the believers. You see, our people are festive and they cannot hide their joys. Welcome to the podcast, everyone. Brother Mark Aho here with you, with Brother Tim Dodd. And uh, we are today continuing our look, a little bit deeper dive look at a specific thing that is going on in Uganda, and that is the building of emergency church structures. And we've got some very good guests on for that. We have Brother James Katumba on for the first time. And he has an engineering background. He's a very organized, very intelligent man. And he has, it seems, come along just at the right time to help us manage the construction of these emergency structures. We also have our dear friend, Pastor Brother Stephen Ibali. And uh, we are always happy to hear from him. He always has such good things to say that are so informative. So, Brother Tim, let's uh, give ample time to our guests today to explore this important subject. Thank you, Brother Mark, and welcome to every one of our listeners. And we trust that today's podcast will be a great blessing to you, especially, as Brother Mark said, we have a new voice that has never been on the podcast, and that is Brother James Katumba. And uh, we want to welcome him, as well as Brother Stephen Imbali who is no stranger to us and has been on the podcast before. So welcome, Brother James and Brother Stephen. Yeah, God bless you all on the podcast. And thank you, brothers Mark and Tim, for having us. God bless you, Brother Mark and Brother Tim, and thank you for having me for the first time on the podcast. May God bless you with all our listeners. The Great Awakening of the Bride in Uganda has breached all kinds of denominational barriers, whether it be Pentecostals, Baptists, Methodists, Seventh-day Adventists, and others. But as a result, there's been many that have been expelled from their property and buildings and left without uh, any sort of shelter to worship in. And this has created a great need in the country. So let's start there with you, Brother Stephen. I know that in the 2020 November edition of the Believer's Faith Challenge Report, we list about 200 churches that are without buildings because they have been expelled 
from their denomination and lost as a result their property, their building, and uh, are now in need of some sort of shelter to worship under. But that's not all the churches that have come into the message in this great awakening that's taking place. How many churches in total do you estimate that has come into the message? And of course, about what percentage of those would be in need of some sort of church building to worship in? Uh, Brother Tim, honestly, this is a very great challenge. We have churches in the excess of hundreds, like the last list we shared, had 200 groups. and we did this with the particular details. We shared with you the location of those places, uh, the size of the audience, you know, and uh, the names of the pastors. But, you know, interestingly, these two reach out to other groups, thus creating more groups, therefore. So we have in excess of three hundred groups right now, countrywide, needing church structures. See, this is a very challenging time. You know, we just uh, have some of these groups meeting uh, under taplins or under trees, and, uh, you know, they do it with joy because they found something new. So the dynamics are challenging for sure, but you know, in the construction of these groups, I would suggest that we deal with extreme cases. I know that one of the first churches in the Chimaga area that was in need of a building, we came in in the very beginning of the awakening in 2017 and built a church structure or a framework of a church, you might say, out of concrete and a very nice uh, structure with a roof, would probably seat a couple of hundred people up there in Chimaga. And uh, uh, we thought that that was just an unusual situation, not realizing that what laid ahead of us. And of course, it would be impossible to repeat that kind of structure because of the hundreds of congregations that are now looking for the uh, help to have a shelter to worship in. Over time, we looked at different types of structures, emergency help in the form of tarpaulins, buildings, which we're doing mostly now of the wood frame covered with tin on a dirt floor, and also Uh, In extreme cases, a concrete-based building with a concrete floor. This is where Brother James comes in. And uh, Brother James, you're with us for the first time, and we want to welcome you. And of course, why don't you just share with the people who you are, what your background is, and, and what you're doing now. Thank you, Brother Tim. Actually, my background is I'm a civil engineer by profession and having bachelor's and master's degree, and likewise having about 20 years of experience in civil engineering. 
previously, I worked with government as a municipal engineer, and uh, in 2015, I decided to resign from my job, where I was working about uh, 130 kilometers away from Jinja. And then I decided to come back because I wanted to be fully involved for in the ministry and also to do my private practice as a civil engineer. And then it's that time when I came back that uh, my pastor, Stephen Ibale, involved me a lot in the ministry, where right now I work as his associate. And uh, I didn't know what laid ahead at that time. But just after about two, two years or so, then we had this revival breakup and in which there was a lot of commitment and the, work, the workload was so much on him and he decided to bring me fully on board to help in the mission and all this kind of work. And, and right now, we do quite a lot of missionary work every week. And uh, besides doing that missionary work, of course, the need for this construction came in, which really came in timely because it's my profession. And uh, certainly I remember when we started the Chimaga project, and uh, I remember I had to go and spend about three months or four months to really have that project worked on. And certainly, as you said, we didn't know that we'd have a lot of needs. And from one Chimaga project, actually, we can be able to realize about five kind of structures we are doing. So we just had to come up with solutions of how we can help many other groups. God bless you. Now, Brother James, with his engineering background, of course, has been a central figure and a great help to us in running these construction projects and being able to um, travel into the different areas, do the uh, estimation of what it will cost to build in that particular area, which varies depending on remoteness, etc., and uh, is able to put together a plan for us for each and every individual structure and then go on to uh, running the project. So, Brother James, why don't you describe for us the process, uh, let's say from beginning to end, from when you get uh, a green light from myself to build a church in a certain area and the land and then through estimation and construction, et cetera. Why don't you just give the listeners an overview of what needs to happen to uh, build these people a building? Thank you, Brother Tim. Now, on the structures that we do build nowadays, I remember we had the debate after we had done the Kimaga project. I remember at that time, we, as you said, we had the hundreds of churches, which we really were in need. And uh, we came up with different options. And the first option was taplins. And I remember I made an estimate of making a tapling whereby we use either wooden, we, we would use wooden poles or metallic poles. And uh, where, when, when we're using the metallic poles for maybe a hundred seater tapling, the cost was less than 1,000 US dollars. But then you'll find that if we had provide that way, you couldn't put that structure there all the time. You had to put it only when they are going to go for the service because some of these places are rented or hired grounds. And then in some places, 
Some of these places are in isolation, so security would pose a challenge for this tarpaulin and the metals, which are just put there every time for the service. Then also post also storage, storage kind of challenges. Where would this kind of materials be stored? Like after the service, you remove the tarpaulin and then the poles, and then you take them somebody's place, you know. So we came up with different options. And finally, we realized that having wooden poles put in the ground and then putting iron sheets around would be a lot better than that where every service you dismantle and then for every service you put back, you know, that kind of method. Now, for what we are doing right now is actually the best option in the situation we are in because the need is so much. But these structures provide good cushion against weather. We live in the tropics, so the heat and maybe sometimes when it comes to rain, it protects the people from the rain and the heat what we normally do we provide adequate ventilation actually above you know the above the walling which we use also iron sheets say that the aeration is enough we make sure that the windows are open and then the lighting is adequate inside say that really it is something which kind of gives people comfort when they are using this we certainly don't work on the floor but nonetheless, the people are grateful. Sometimes you'll even find people, some some of these churches, people getting cow dung and putting it on the floor as a floor kind of what finish to avoid the dust coming inside. Some even get gravel and then pour inside. You know, some try to do quite a number of things to make those structures better and comfortable for them. Now, for a wooden structure like that, would last between five to 10 years because it depends also on the environment where it is. Some places, the termites are so many, and that's, I think, the worst enemy for these structures, especially if the poles are destroyed by termites. But normally these poles which we use, we put them two feet inside the ground for the strength and likewise durability. So these things can work in the current situation that we're in, and people are really very grateful that they have a place of fellowship. Building church buildings is not really the emphasis of Bible believers. Our emphasis mainly is to get the message into the people's hands. It's really just the awakening and the unusual number of congregations in need in Uganda that have pressed us to do this work. And through the help of concerned believers around the world that are specifically interested in building church buildings for congregations. This is the resources that we use to help these congregations. And so it's not something that uh, we generally do, but it's certainly something that we're willing to do in special circumstances like this. I know, Brother Stephen, this is also very new and unusual for you as well. I think we have done 22 churches not including the ones to whom have been given tarpaulins for temporary shelters. That is almost without number. So we've done 22, and uh, there's six more in the works. And maybe, Brother Stephen, you can share with us your thoughts on this process and this need and this burden, and in particular, uh, any specific examples that might help our listeners to understand what it is that your people are going through. Uh, thank you, Brother Tim. 
This is a very interesting question. But uh, we need just to draw back a little bit on the history uh, of the beginning of the message, not only here in Uganda, but worldwide. See, worldwide, uh, the message believers are used to what we would call personal work. It was a person to person. You know, somebody goes, talks to somebody that person believes. And sometimes you go to a family, you talk to that family, that family believes. But uh, currently we see that uh, the dynamics in evangelism have changed from handing out a tape or from handing out a book, which we also do. But uh, we have uh, just discovered that most of these uh, groups are hungry for truth. So once we discovered that, then we started to go among them. And uh, when we do go among them, some of the groups, their pastors, they believe they just overwhelmingly come in. And then some of the groups, there is sometimes uh, a group that separates for the message. And now these people begin to gather in houses, on verandas, under trees, uh, sometimes borrowed pieces of ground where we buy tarpaulins and uh, <clears throat> the services begin. It's actually something that's rudimentary or something like that. So it looks like we are dismantling people's social setups. And uh, then comes the accusations from the backgrounds where these people come from, like we are dismantling the normal process of uh, church life among the different denominations. So this has been discussed on radios by different religious fellows, but we certainly have been looking forward all the time uh, and you know, the way these people separate for the message, deserting them is not moral. Uh, you know, we have to stand with them and uh, see how we can help them. And uh, we talk to Brother Tim and the world, and then all this that we have has happened. Well, the COVID pandemic itself, that is to say the disease itself has not slowed us down. Certainly the government regulations have, and I think there in Uganda, Brother Stephen, it's been as locked down as not even being able to leave the house other than to get food. Right now, it's a little bit more open. However, the churches are currently shut down. Uh, why don't you share with our listeners the things that you've encountered because of this COVID? And I realize that it's not just church buildings, but it's been very difficult for the people to uh live in general as it's very much a day-to-day uh, -day worker economy and people don't have much more money than what they've earned in that particular day. Yeah, Brother Tim, that's the truth because uh, we've suffered a few total lockdowns. Um, you know, this war thing started last year on the 18th of March uh, churches, schools, and uh, borders to the neighboring countries were locked down and then uh, had a series of uh, different things that were happening around that time. Uh, but uh, on that uh, particular uh, round of lockdown, uh, we ran up to 31st March, which is 2020 for two weeks. 
And then uh, finally came a total lockdown, places of work were closed, um, places of worship, businesses. And then there were laws like you are not supposed to meet beyond three people. So, you know, but uh, that is a long time, you know, for March. Uh, on the 21st of September, uh, the churches were allowed open, but with only 70 people. So again, this year, this is 2021, from 6th June of 2021 to 18th, uh, we had partial lockdown, schools, churches, public transport, those actually shut down. That's from 18th June to 30th July. We went back again into total lockdown. Then uh, 30th July, public transport was reallowed. Uh, workplaces were allowed to operate, but uh, not with the total, uh, you know, workforce. They allowed about 30%. But uh, interestingly, by the grace of God, that was Tuesday on the 22nd of September, the churches were now opened back. And uh, we here have the opportunity to have about 200 people for every service. We thank God for that. We've gone through it, like Brother Tim says in the beginning, it was tight, like you had last year. We could only meet about three uh, people, not beyond that. And then total lockdown, you had to be in your house and patrol of the police and all kinds of stuff. But... Uh, you know, it came lighter again this year, and it's not been any better, though, but we thank God that churches are open. Amen, Brother Stephen. We're glad for that, too. I didn't realize, of course, that they just opened, and that's wonderful, and we pray that they will continue to be open. Brother Stephen, I have a question. As I hear you describe the conditions there, and... Uh, We've got people whose basic necessities for living are uh, unreliable and in question. And at the same time, we're using volunteer labor to help build these structures so people have a place to worship. That really says a lot to me about the motivation of these people. I would think, you know, if you are missing food and basic necessities in your house, your top priority would be to go out and work to try to alleviate that situation. But here we have volunteer labor when they can get out. And I know the lockdowns have been slowing this down, but when they can get out, they go out and volunteer to work on church structures. Am I understanding this correctly? Because that is really quite amazing to me. God bless you, Brother Mac. Uh, that's a very interesting question. You see, when you break news to people who have been meeting under taplins, on people's verandas, on trees, I mean under trees, that we have a structure coming in for you. But we need your support. They'll certainly for sure suspend their farm work for a week or two to support the project. So you need to be available to see these people in the structures for the first time after the structures are built. I tell you, 
the scenery would only be compared to David receiving back the Ark of the Covenant into the city of David. Excitement, uration, dancing, jumping, the people get so excited. And that's exactly what you people are doing. You, you, you know, like you export the joy by your contribution. And we certainly appreciate, we just pray that the Lord gives you the grace so that we can continue in this matter to support our people. We can well imagine if the people are that poor in general, that they just don't have the means with which to build themselves a church structure. And I think some of these structures that we're now working on, which can cost anywhere from two to $5,000, depending on the size, the location, the cost of the property, all of those things. I think this has been a tremendous help in the country and has blessed the bride of Jesus Christ. We are overwhelmed with love and extraordinary appreciation for what God is doing in the country of Uganda and the thousands of lives that are being transformed by the message of the hour. There's no uh, shortage of appreciation on our end for just the Lord allowing us to work in such an abundant harvest field. And we thank God for his mercies to us in that regard. We certainly want to thank each and every one that has given to help these congregations to at least have some sort of shelter over their head in Uganda from the elements, not taking away from the great work of printing and getting the message into the hands of the people, tens of thousands of books, such as the Church Age books, the Seal book, other books are on the way, uh, individual books are being printed within the country, all of those things are taking place, and we thank God for that. And for those of you that have helped in this regard also, we say God bless you and want to express our appreciation for that. And I think uh, Brother Stephen or Brother James can express whatever they feel from the believers in Uganda and how the, these congregations feel in the support that they're getting. Yes, adding to the words of Brother Tim, we want really affirm that this development has generated a lot of excitement among the believers. You see, our people are festive and they cannot hide their joys. As I said, it's a real festival. And, uh, you know, when uh, a church is uh, built for the people and handed over to them, there is a lot of thank you. And in one of those occasions, Brother Tim, you remember how Brother Waihe gave you the gift of a big God. And of course, you could not take it with you, but it was an expression of gratitude. I, Brother James, and the people are truly thankful. And we say, may the Lord bless those that out of the little they have, they've decided to give a hand to the needy people in Uganda. God bless you. We thank you so much, and we appreciate you. Thank you, Brother Tim and Brother Mark, for this podcast, and we really appreciate God that for the grace that he has given us this far and the, the work 
that has been there in Uganda, both the missionary work and the support to really get the Bibles given to these people and the, the message books that are already sent and then the printer of the message books for the message books in the local languages, which is now currently being done. And likewise, also the support for the church structures and shelters in different kinds of ways. We really appreciate and the bride in Christ, the bride of Christ in Uganda is very grateful. And we continually pray that the Lord may continually bring in the elect into his fold. God bless you all and God bless you. Amen. Well, thank you, Brother Stephen and Brother James for joining us today. This has been a wonderful time together just talking about these things. And we pray that God will continue to anoint you and use you abundantly in the harvest field there. God bless you both. Yeah, God bless you, Brother Tim and Brother Mac. You know, we appreciate being hosted at this podcast and we thank God for all that he has been able to achieve by our hands. It's not because we are special, but simply because we have made ourselves available. May God bless you, saints, that support and that have been listening in. Shalom. God bless you. Well, Brother Tim, this has been a very illuminating conversation with Brother Stephen and Brother James, and I'm just thinking back at that first structure that we had a part in helping construct in Chimaga way back in 2017, and it was unusual for us. We thought maybe it was kind of a a one-off. We don't really do that. You know, we're more into translation and getting the message out. But the need was there, and, and we jumped in, and, and people supported, and, and we did it, and we built that structure. And it's almost amazing to think that now we are looking at needs for hundreds of structures of some kind for all these displaced congregations. It's almost like that was the, uh, as Elijah saw the cloud the size of a man's hand, but there was a huge storm coming behind that. Well, that certainly is an interesting analogy, Brother Mark. I don't know that I would use it, only because I don't want to prophesy a storm. But in the previous edition of the Believer's Faith Challenge Report, we listed about 200 churches that needed some kind of shelter uh, for their people after they had lost their previous structure due to being evicted by the denomination. We've built 22, I think it is now. We have six more on the way. And currently, Brother Stephen says now there are 300 congregations that need some sort of support and help with the shelter. I don't know about you, but that's a growing storm. And maybe you are right that it's a, it's a correct analogy. The needs that have been created by the awakening in Uganda have certainly been in my view, very large, massive, I would even say. However, I can also say that it's caused us to see and experience the supernatural hand of God, not just in the thousands, tens of thousands of souls that have come under the light of the hour, but also in the way that God has provided for the needs of these people and the way the bride around the world has responded it is truly the Holy Spirit putting the burden of the word upon the hearts of people all over the world. As I've previously said, 
building buildings is not our emphasis. However, there are brothers that have stepped up to the plate with this need, and we're thankful for each and every one of them that is contributing to this very real and pressing need. And I also want to say, with regards to Brother Stephen and Brother James, I so appreciate their selfless labor in the awakening of Uganda. Brother Stephen himself has a church building which has been for some time in need of repair and has foregone that. Brother James has gone from building site to building site in a very dilapidated and broken down vehicle that from day to day, not knowing if he would need to repair it. However, I do want to say rejoicing that we were just able to help him upgrade his vehicle and give him some more reliable transportation. Some of these roads in Uganda are pretty rough, and we just uh, want to be able to make sure that these brothers are safe, and we thank God for that. Personally, I counted it an honor to work with real men of God like Brother Stephen and Brother James. And uh, if the listener is wondering who they might pray for, there are many brothers over there, including these two brothers who are laboring selflessly and in the very character and likeness of Jesus Christ to benefit the body of Jesus Christ. In our privilege to work with these men, and we count it an honor that God has allowed us to be a part of what's happening in Uganda. And I want to say to each and every one that has prayed for, supported, in some way contributed to the work in Uganda, God bless you abundantly. You are a part of what God's doing in Uganda. And when we get on the other side and we see the full fruit of the calling of the Bride of Jesus Christ, I assure you, you will rejoice with us at many of the unseen stories that are unfolding right now in Uganda. So God bless you. Thank you for listening, and thank you for each one of our listeners and supporters. May the Lord pour out His blessings abundantly upon you all. Thank you for joining us on the podcast today. Remember, friends, the bridegroom will not come until the bride has made herself ready. She must be both called and fully dressed by the Word of God. This is the Believer's Faith Challenge Report podcast. You can sign up for our email newsletter at BibleWay.org. Scroll to the bottom of the page where it says Newsletter. Fill in your name and email address and click Sign Up. In this email report, you will receive reports of the works of God in China, in Africa, in South America, in India, Europe, all over the world. We also publish a full-color paper newsletter two times a year, complete with photographs, reports, and testimonies from all over the world. The newsletter is free. Just request it, and we would be happy to mail a copy to you. You can contact us by email at info at bible-believers.org. That's info at bible-believers.org. Or you can write to us at Bible Believers, P.O. Box 128, Blaine, Washington, 98231. That's Bible Believers, P.O. Box 128, Blaine, Washington, 98231. 
This is Mark Ajo. Thank you for being with us today. And be sure to join us for the next Believer's Faith Challenge Report podcast.